Hey everybody, my name is Kyla. Welcome to my channel where I talk about the stock market and the economy amongst other things. Today we're going to be talking about the top influencer of 2022, which is the Federal Reserve. This was the year that everything went backwards. Any priors had to be thrown out the window along with ego. A lot of the emphasis this year was obviously on inflation, managing inflation, battling inflation, investing through inflation, etc. It was about carving a path through that ordeal and policy became about managing emotion through data. How is everyone feeling became a core question as we thought about everything, fiscal and monetary policy, political decision-making, and stocks and bonds. Legislation is hard, but mood is cheap, as Alex Williams said. However, the mood of this year was wonky. A lot of the systems are and have been fragile. So when supply chains got tested, when the labor market flipped, when mortgage rates skyrocketed, the promise of this is how it will be was broken. It's a consequence of underinvestment, lack of maintenance, lack of modern infrastructure. What happened yesterday was, or what happened the past couple days with Southwest is emblematic of almost all the problems that we faced this year. It was a system that worked until it didn't rely on understaffed and overworked labor and focused perhaps a bit too heavily on the fiduciary responsibility of returning capital to shareholders. And of course, there's nuance to that. And that's the other thing that we as a society have no patience for details, no mind for well, perhaps we simply choose to rage. We exist in a system that encourages us to be reactive, not proactive. And that is clear in how discourse is carried out. A large part of our aversion to nuance is a lack of inner contemplation in a larger context. There's no room for reflection. We are mindful of how the world reacts to us. There, we are focused on how we react to the world. And that aversion to nuance shows up in how we interact with the economy, of course, and each other. As Leonardo da Vinci once said, the greatest deception men suffer is from their own opinion. There's also this other quote that says, like this cup, you are full of your own opinions and speculations. How can I show you wisdom unless you first empty your cup? We are full of opinion. <laughs> too many, too many opinions floating around here. There's a lot of fingers to point here, and I've written and talked a lot about this. Trust has evaporated through social media platforms, misaligned incentives, and those same platforms have enabled echo chambers. We've lost trust in institutions and thus have lost trust in the stories told by those institutions, as Martin Gurry wrote about in The Revolt of the Public. There's been a lot of other motives for loss of trust too. The way that the economy is meant to function just stopped working. There's no slack anymore, no cheap labor, and uncertainty has become a primary emotion in a lot of aspects. Cheap credit was the underlying force for a lot of economic functioning, but in a high rate world, that model does not work anymore. And that's the issue. The cup overfloweth, but maybe not in the way that we wanted. So the Federal Reserve, we love the Fed. The Fed's job is mostly to manage expectations, to largely make sure that inflation expectations do not become unanchored. The labor market and price stability translate largely to financial conditions and narrative, which the Fed manages through their tools of forward guidance, rates, and the balance sheet. And this is a tough job. It's nudging things around to make other things happen, a game of dominoes with the intent of playing chess. As Ben Bernanke said back in 2003, ambiguity has its uses, but mostly in non-cooperative games like poker. Monetary policy is a cooperative game. The whole point is to get financial markets on our side and for them to do some of our work for us. The Fed's goal is to get people to stop paying attention and to get markets in a agreement. Rational inattention is what Jerome Powell called it. They do not want inflation to be at the forefront of your mind because then it can spiral. Expectations become unanchored and their job becomes a lot harder. And this is important. The Fed is a core part of the attention economy. They are the main influencer. Their live streams are widely watched, their product reviews focused on with rapt attention, and their TikTok dances explaining that the labor market has to go down so inflation can recover, go viral. Inflation creates a lot of uncertainty, which is why we hate it. Inflation also captures the fleeting eye of the consumer because it impacts most decisions they make, which is why the Fed hates it. So inflation zoomed in. The causes of inflation are wide and varied, deglobalization, tightness in the labor market, I've talked about it extensively, sky high energy and commodity prices, work from home trends, etc. Supply bottlenecks were a huge component of inflation. Inflation in the United States would have been 6% instead of 9% at the end of 2021 without supply bottlenecks. Easing supply is the core solution to fixing inflation that we have, but like any influencer, all the Fed can do is talk. They can't go out there and move boats on the water, they can just nudge things in that direction. 
production. And of course, supply chains bleed into other things. Import prices rose, which got passed off to consumers, and wages had to rise too, which were also passed off at a much higher rate than pre-pandemic. Monopolies also created some issues with industry concentration amplifying all sorts of inflationary pressures. We've relied on textbook fixes for problems that are far outside of the bounds of any metric that can be studied. It's mostly based on what companies are doing and how consumers are behaving. The problem is, going back to the Bernanke quote, the Fed's tools are ambiguous in the context of real-world narrative. The Fed is shrinking their balance sheet and raising rates with a rough idea of where the neutral rate is and the general impact of shrinking holdings, but like no real concrete path. Everything is just kind of a guess. It's all, let's see what the vibes are. Financial conditions will reflect that. Labor market will tell the story eventually. And that is that. There's also an important thread to pull on in terms of the blame game. Many people deny themselves autonomy and they hand over their faults to the Federal Reserve. The Fed reacts to data as do investors, but there's still agency for many to allocate capital productively, right? Throwing your hands up and yelling, the Fed is the bane of my existence. It's fair to the degree that yes, they do have huge influence, but ultimately so do you, right? So this gets into the concept of the individual. There's this quote by Rebecca Stead in Goodbye Stranger, where she asks, who's the real you, the person who did something awful or the one who's horrified by the awful thing you did? Is one part of you allowed to forgive the other? I think about the Fed's precarious position between a rock and a hard place often. Like there is no good way for them to do their job. How their toolkit is ultimately limited to managing demand through yelling at the stock market and influencing hiring patterns of employers so people ultimately spend less money to get inflation down. That's what they do. In everything, there's this underlying dichotomy of friction between how things work and how they could be, and it feels like we are nearing the edge of things working. Our technology is old and outdated. Our systems need to be upgraded. On a macro scale, this is where uncertainty comes in. If things break, can they be fixed? Human ingenuity is one of the most powerful resources that we have, and uncertainty can be a fuel as we navigate new normals. Because the beautiful thing about uncertainty is that it's also possibility and opportunity. Creativity and courage can shape uncertainty certainty. Individual actions are what shape the world that we live in, but we often discount ourselves. As I said earlier, we often don't think about how the world reacts to us. We don't think about our footprints in the snow. We don't think about the power of a kind word or a smile that often. We think that we are meek, diminutive, and not nearly powerful enough. In a lot of aspects, that's true. This is perhaps a silly example, but Eric Fromm wrote about the concept of love and the art of loving. And in it, he said, love is not primarily a relationship to a specific person. It is an attitude, an orientation of character, which determines the relatedness of a person to the world as a whole, not towards one object of love. If a person loves only one other person and is indifferent to the rest of his fellow men, his love is not a love, but a symbiotic attachment or an enlarged egotism. One does not see love as an activity of power of the soul. This attitude can be compared to that of a man who just wants to paint, but who instead of learning the art, claims that he just has to wait for the right object and he will paint beautifully when he finds it. Love is an action, the way that we exist in the world, rather than a relationship. Everything that we do, is a way to exist in the world. And the ripple effects of that are undeniable. At the risk of becoming trite, another quote, a whole stream of events issues from the decision, raising in one's favor all manner of unforeseen incidents and meetings and material assistance, which no man could have dreamed come his way. Whatever you can do or dream you can, begin it. Boldness has genius power and magic in it. Begin it now. This year was defined by uncertainty. And in many ways, that uncertainty will never go away. But this year was also a year to recognize that the world does react to us and we can shape that reaction in many ways. Mind the cup. Thanks so much for hanging out. Thanks so much for spending time with me. Hope you all are doing okay. And I will talk to you soon. Bye.